0: would invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to uh, Romans 16, it's on page 950 if you're using the pew Bibles, Romans 16. We've begun our study of the last chapter here of Romans, so I've said a lot of names. Uh, but let's, let us begin um, back with uh, Romans 16.1 and I'll read through the 11th verse next Lord's Day. We'll conclude our study of the names of the gospel servants here. But hear God's word. Romans 16.1 I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancria that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever way And whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus in Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apoles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, we pray now um, that your Holy Spirit um, would be at work in our hearts and minds, Lord, shedding your holy light um, upon the word of God. Pray that we would be hearers of the word and and doers of the word. Pray that we would be your uh, humble gospel servants, Lord, in whatever task you call us to. May we serve all for the glory of Christ, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For the past year or so, your your elders have been... uh, reading a book by Dr. Sinclair Ferguson, a recently a retired minister of our denomination of the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. We've been studying, discussing, seeking to apply the scriptural principles from the book. Uh, last month, we looked at a chapter that was entitled The View from the Foot, referring to Christ humble act, service, of foot washing, the view from the foot, or Christian service. About halfway through the chapter, Dr. Ferguson provides this powerful quote. To be a Christian, then, to belong to the church means to be willing and eager to serve, and then actually to serve. If you are not planning to serve in the life of a congregation you should not be planning to join it. You know, here in Romans 16, and we're looking at verses 5 through 11, you know, God gives us a few brief but beautiful details about the gospel service of nine Christians who are, in, who are serving the Lord in the church at Rome and then two families of faith as well. You know, as we study these gospel servants these faithful servant, God's word provides us with with a motivation, a gospel motivation for service. You now, in here this morning, um, as we look at these verses from God's word, we'll be focusing on, on this truth that may Christ' gracious love and our gospel labors mark His church. Well, how should Christ' gracious love? and our gospel labors mark as church. You know this morning we you'll be getting both scriptural barrels. There are 11 gospel examples and then would like to look at offer to you seven gospel marks of service. If that seems uh, overwhelming for you, of those of you who are note takers, there are outlines. They're in the front pews, or there in the back. If you want to pick one up even now, or fill it in afterwards, uh, but each of these names is important um, to the church at Rome, to the church here, Hope Presbyterian Church. Uh, they they give us um, gracious guidance. So we begin with eleven. Faithful gospel laborers. You remember last Lord's Day, we looked at the opening verses, the first three of the gospel servants. Uh, there, there is, There seems to be an order of, of importance. All are significance, but the Apostle Paul begins with Phoebe, a sister of the church, a servant of the Lord. The church was to welcome her, to help her. We could almost say serve her in her gospel labors, and then the Apostle Paul greeted Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers, he called them in Christ Jesus, and we're going to see that phrase again. God's word calls us to work together in his kingdom work, and like Prisca and Aquila, we're we're to be ready to risk our necks. There's a sacrifice in gospel service. As well, every Christian Oh, we saw Prisca and Aquila, the church met in their house, small church, probably not even a large house, but uh, we, we learned, or the application then was, that our, our homes are to be places of hospitality, of Christian witness, uh, not only to the church, but even to our neighbors around us. Now we look at 11 more gospel laborers in, in this church family. Uh, The first one there in verse 5b is eponetus, and and the first command is that that word greet. You're going to hear that word greet used nine times in these seven verses, and and actually it's a command. We discuss what it means to to greet. Uh, We graciously welcome our fellow Christians. We gladly embrace them in, in Christian love even give a, a holy kiss as we see there in verse 16 or at the very least a, a hearty and holy handshake you know it, it's not just symbolic you know it, it it's a way we we show our care and concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ you know, remember the Paul, that the Apostle Paul is asking the Christians in Rome there, you know, to greet Christians he has never met. You know, he, he couldn't look that up on Facebook. What do they look like? What's their profile? He knows their names. So the Lord has provided these names to the Apostle Paul, but he's telling the church at Rome, you greet these brothers and sisters in Christ for me. Greet Eponidas, his name means praiseworthy or laudable. Paul calls Eponidas my beloved. We'll see that again in verses 8, 9, and 12. You know, he loves this brother in Christ with a, an agape love, a sacrificial love. You know The apostle Paul and Eponidas both love Christ, but they, they love one another. It seems that Epinetus needed to, to to hear that someone loved him. You know, we live in a world like that today. You know, we need to hear that even in the church. You know, you you are my beloved. Maybe we should practice that some Sunday. Make us blush, but uh, that that's how Paul was addressing Epinitus. You know, a, a love fueled by the faithful love of Christ on the cross. You know, the chief mark of Eponidas' faith is revealed in Romans 16.5 when uh, God's word mentions he was the first convert to Christ in Asia, literally the first fruits. You know, he was uh, the first believer that was on record you know, for coming to faith in Christ in Asia. The church at Ephesus was in Asia. You know, when sp- scripture speaks of first fruit, it reminds us that more will certainly follow. You know, there was the sacrifice, the offering of first fruits in the Old Testament. To give you one example, Deuteronomy 26, verse 10. Deuteronomy 26, 10. And uh, behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of of the ground which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. The challenge with giving of your first fruit was this. You know that, that was the first part of your harvest. Before you ate, you know, before you put it away in your barn, in, in faith you gave it to the Lord, trusting that more fruit would follow. And that was the apostle Paul's prayer. And plan, his gospel plan. You know, he is the first fruits. You know, most likely Eponides came to faith in Christ under the gospel ministry of Prisca and Aquila there in Ephesus. So that's the first one. Second one, Mary, verse 6. While well, we read about many Marys in the Bible, the mother of Jesus, the mother of John Mark, Mary of Bethany, to name just a few. You know, th- this seems to be a different Mary. Uh, it's still a Semitic name, a Jew. She is associated with the church at Rome, a short and sweet summary of Mary's ministry. May it be said of us all. She worked hard for you. Now that same word "worked hard" speaks of toil. It's a, a, a word used of, of the fishermen, you know, when they were hauling in the nets. You know, she worked hard for you. John Murray writes, the much labor suggests that Mary was one of the earliest members of the church at Rome and its organization could have been largely due to her influence. She's a humble and hardworking servant of Christ and his church. She's not waiting till the spotlight shines on her. You know, is everybody looking? Everyone seeing what I'm doing? But she knew The Lord saw her humble labors. Another preacher writes that Mary had the gifts of help. We we see many of those glorious gospel qualities of the Proverbs 31 woman here in in Mary. Eponidas, Mary, third and fourth, Andronicus and Junia there in verse 7. It said that the name Andronicus, was found even in the imperial household. There's a, a little bit of a challenge here. Uh, there are some who believe that Junia or Junius, you know, was a woman. Others say no, it was a man, and it gets into the language. And um, I believe it's it's a it's a man. Won't go to the. To the uh, stake on this one, it could be a married couple like Prisca and Aquila, you know. But why is it more plausible to believe it's a man? Note the first thing: there, Paul calls them my kinsmen, my my fellow Jews. But then look what's next, you know, my fellow prisoners. I don't believe there there is a, a scriptural example of a woman in in prison. And so, you know, here we have two gospel laborers. Uh, the apostle Paul was often in prison. You know, some seven times. There's no clear mention uh, of Andronicus and Junia being in prison with with Paul. But but it's here in Romans sixteen verse seven. But then we learned that Andronicus and Junia are well known to the apostles. You know they're they're notable. You know they're they're worthy of gospel mention. For gospel service, finally they were in Christ. You know, and I believe that last one is the most important truth. You know that. As with the Apostle Paul, the other apostles, the other saints mentioned here, you know, they, they were in Christ. They were in Christ before Paul, and, and so the, the implication here seems to be that they were senior saints and still involved in God's kingdom work. Most likely first Christians may have been there on the day of Pentecost. Fifth, this Ampliatus, and he is called my beloved in the Lord there in verse 8. It's striking because, you know, according uh, to the the commentaries, to the language, his name is a slave name. And yet he is called beloved by the Apostle Paul, beloved in the Lord. You know, that that's their connection, you know, that... They are, they are united in their gospel labors because they are in the Lord. His bond of love with the Apostle Paul is grounded in their joint love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there will be some applications at the end, seven, as I said, but let me give us an application here. Um, you know, it, it's vital for Christian men to have real relationships, real friendships with their brothers in Christ. You know, think of Jonathan and David. You know, 1 Samuel 18, chapter 3, 1 Samuel 18:3. This morning Sunday school was on covenant. We see that here, 1 Samuel 18:3, then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Because he loved him as his own soul, you know what does it mean um, to have that kind of relationship? You, you worship Christ together, you, you work together in God's kingdom work, you know in, in our world with filled with sad and sinful sexual relations between men. I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet, but I believe it's going to grow worse not more holy you know and and it's even more important you know for for christian men and yes christian women to have godly friendships spiritual relationships you know even those friendships not only pray together but have coffee together talk together encourage one another share scripture you know, and, and you couldn't think of two more unlikely brothers in Christ than Ampliatus, a slave, and, and the Apostle Paul, a learned Jew. And, and yet what connected them it was that common connection to Christ. Sixth, Urbanus. You know, you can hear his word, you know, his name, Urbane, Urban, you know, of the city. You know Urbanus and Stachys are two more common Gentile or Roman slave names. Urbanus means polite or elegant. Paul calls him our fellow worker in Christ. Stachys, you know again that that description beloved. You know again Paul proclaims his love for fellow Christians. You know he, he's he's not ashamed of the gospel, but he's not ashamed to declare his love for brothers and sisters in Christ. Number eight, Apollos. You know, I'm, I'm you know, truth be told, I'm I'm covetous of of Aples. Note the description of him. He is approved in Christ. He is approved in Christ. You know, a believer who proved himself to be faithful to Christ under great trials and tribulation. You know, we, we see a hint of it earlier in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, Romans 5, verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Uh, you know, in other words, Apollos has been through the fire. You know, trials, tribulations, we're, we're not told exactly what they are. You know, but he's come forth as Gold. You now, first Peter, chapter one, verses six and seven, puts it this way: First Peter one, verse six, "In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse seven, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, when, when we serve Christ, it, it does not mean that we will be spared from heartache, trials, tribulation, pain, suffering. You know, but, but those sufferings come from the hand of a sovereign God who loves us in Christ. It's the providence of God. And that that pain and trials that are sent from, from the Lord Himself and love are, are used to refine our faith, you know, so that we would come forth as pure gold. Nine Herodian, uh, verse eleven. Greet my kinsman Herodian. You know, one biblical characteristic, but worthy of note. You know, he is a kinsman. He may have been a Jewish freedman. You can hear in his name that, that root word Herod. He may have been a Jewish freedman Herod, serving in Herod's household since freedmen took the name of their patrons. Number 11, now we get into the families. You know, the family of Aristobulus in verse 10. Most likely, Aristobulus is dead. You know, some Bible scholars have a good argument, a strong argument in saying that he was a grandson of Herod the Great. The household then would refer to the slaves of the person that Paul has in mind at the master's death. These slaves then were kept together and became the property of the emperor. So we have every good reason to believe that Paul greets these Christian slaves who are in the emperor's household. You know, gives gives us hope with government, doesn't it? You know, we we look at the, the figureheads in our government and you know we shake our heads and wring our hands. You know, but God's at work, you know, behind the scenes give you another scriptural example, I won't read it, but if, when you turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a nameless Jewish slave girl who served in Naaman's household, and she told her mistress about uh, the sovereign God, and, uh, and that mistress told it to her husband Naaman, the military leader, that military leader Naaman went to his own king the king of Syria king of Syria wrote a, 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 a notes so that Naaman could go to the king of Israel you know and Naaman was healed of his leprosy, you know all to the glory of God and where did it start you know with that nameless Jewish slave girl one more family the family of narcissus Yes, we're familiar with the myth of Narcissus, more likely it refers to a beautiful bulb plant, for those of you who like horticulture, a beautiful bulb plant with smooth leaves, clusters of orange, white, and yellow. You know, but the emphasis here is not upon her name. Look there at verse 11, greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. All good reason for us to believe that Scripture is teaching us that that it was a family of faith, you know, a covenant family. You know that that all of this family was serving the Lord in His gospel work. You know, a, a lot of little names here, and I will not quiz you on this next Sunday. You know, name seven out of the name, you know, of the individuals here who were serving the Lord. But let me use this illustration. As of Thursday, May the 5th, 2022, 1030 a.m., looked it up. An ounce of gold was selling for about $1,895.66. You know, how much is An ounce. Again, I looked it up. An ounce is a wooden, one wooden pencil. Not like those little pencils in the pew, but, you know, the longer pencils. Or An ounce is about six sheets of normal paper. Ten pennies is an ounce. You know, when we find the time on Friday nights, Lynn and I, or at least I like to watch uh, a show called Gold Rush, You know, these gold miners in Alaska, um, present day gold miners who employ all sorts of new and old technology, serious heavy equipment, you know, all to find an ounce of gold. Digging for gold one ounce at a time, while an ounce might not seem that significant to us, if you were to collect 440 ounces of gold, That's a gold bar weighing about 27.5 pounds. That gold bar is worth well over $800,000. You know, an ounce at a time. You know, and, and here, you know, think of God's gospel workers here, you know, as just an ounce of gold. You know, lest you think that was my illustration, Chrysostomum. Stated that, quote, the gold's founder, or the gold miners, people are careful even about the little fragments. Then he goes on, it is possible even from bare names, you know, to find a great treasure. It's even (laughs) possible even from bare names to find a great treasure. You know, even these seemingly insignificant names, you know, we know their name, maybe one or two gospel descriptions of of what they are doing in the Lord's kingdom work. Yet each of those gospel laborers will have their names not only here in Romans 16, but more importantly, in the Lamb's book of life, Revelation 21, verse 5. They're not saved by their works. You know, they're they're saved by their faith in Christ, but they they show their faith in Christ by these fruits of the gospel. You know, we're all called to be servants of Christ in his church. So thinking about those 11 gospel laborers, let me um, give you seven marks of Christ's gracious love in his church. You know, for those of you who read the Puritans, they were known at the end of their sermons for giving applications. Sometimes 30 or more applications. So not 30, uh, seven. Um, You can see the outline afterwards. You know, but what are seven marks of Christ's gracious love in his church? First, there's a fullness of Christ's love a fullness of Christ's love when you take a closer look at each of these names you see that they included men women slaves free Jews gentiles younger saints older saints you know scripture reminds us that that our church his church should be marked with a rich fullness you know dare i say it a divine diversity of believers you know we're we're all not all cut from the same bolt of cloth we all have different gifts different backgrounds you know but but there there is a fullness you know as we are laboring together for Christ secondly there's a unity of Christ's love these seven verses we repeatedly read these precious phrases beloved in Christ in the lord You know, it's only a gospel union with Christ that can unite his church in our worship, in our witness, in our gospel work. You know, third, a a reality of trials for Christians and churches. Alluded to that already, you know, but listen again to these words about Andronicus and, and Junia, my fellow prisoners you know, that day might come even here in the United States. You know, it's it's happening in Canada. Pastors who speak, you know, the biblical truth about God honoring sexual relationships, you know, pastors who have uh, stood firmly, uh, you know, against different sexual sins have been imprisoned. You know, there's a... There's a reality of trials for Christians and churches. You know, but why does God bring that? You know, we read with Apelles, he was approved in Christ. You know, it, 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 God uses it to refine our, our faith in Christ. Apelles proved himself as a faithful servant of Christ by persevering in the difficult test of faith. He was not a one-and-done Christian. He didn't let the thorns and the weeds choke out his faith in the Lord. He, he stood firmly upon Christ's solid rock. Verse 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, 2 Timothy 2, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. That's the same word. Do your best to present yourself to God as one Approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Fourth, their application, a readiness for every believer to serve Christ. You know, Phoebe, Prisca, Aquila, before moving on to these nine individuals, saints, servants of the Lord, we looked at today. You know, we see that many members of the church, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's not, you know, it's not, well, this person is doing it all in the church, or these two people are handling everything. We'll just sit back and let them do it. You know, more names to follow of those who are serving the Lord. You know, there's a, it seems, a readiness. You know, they don't wait till they're asked. You know, we don't have anyone else to do this. Will you do this for the church? No, they, they were ready, maybe even eager to serve the Lord. Fifth, there's a biblical doctrine, you know, a teaching here about biblical doctrine and biblical duty. Remember who's writing Romans sixteen. You know, this is the same Apostle Paul who 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 has taught us these glorious doctrines of grace. You know, that that biblical doctrine, and now in verse 16, and he has done it earlier in Romans 12 and following, but there is a biblical duty. You know, the Apostle Paul was both learned and loving. You know, he proclaimed God's grace in Christ, but he also practiced this gracious love to his fellow Christians. You know, there's a gospel orthodoxy, here, but there's a gospel orthopraxis, you know, a a right understanding of God's word, but then he is doing the gospel as well. Six, there's a genuine Christian friendships. We've talked about that already, but even though the apostle Paul had not met any of these servants that... That are highlighted in Romans sixteen, five through eleven, you know, he still calls them beloved, fellow workers, kinsmen. You know, after pastoring and worshiping in five churches during seminary and since seminary, Lynn and I can truthfully say, you know, that our, our closest, dearest, and most genuine friendships, you know, have been with our church families. You know, even after the Lord has called us to another church, you know, it's not just professional, okay, we're going to cut everything off. No, those are still our dear brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, and a lesson here for parents, you know, you know it's good for your, your children's friends, you know, their best friends, their closest friends, not that you can screen or choose you know, but but may it be your prayer that their closest friends are Christian friends, those who encourage them, nurture them in their walk of faith. Finally, the centrality of Christ. You know we we've seen that all throughout Romans, and uh, coming to a close here, but. You know, there at the beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus, who was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness and by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. But then look how Romans concludes there, Romans sixteen twenty seven: to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. You know, that, that centrality of Christ into that church at Rome, in their gospel labors, in their friendships, in their gospel labors together, centering on Christ. You know, John Fesco, RTS professor, put it this way in his commentary, helpful commentary on Romans. All these believers were related by the blood of Christ and shared in the common and shared in common the same desire to see the gospel spread through all the nations. Little people. You know, Francis Schaeffer had a book. I couldn't put my hands on it, but I love the title. It's called No Little People. You know, in God's church and God's kingdom work, there are no little people, no insignificant people. And we can see that here in Romans 16. And so may it be our prayer that the Lord would use each one of us to show and to speak of God's gracious love as we labor in his kingdom work, you know, by his grace and for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we we praise you that you are the God of our salvation. We thank you for your love for us in Christ. Thank you for our union with Christ, our union with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that we can labor together in your kingdom work. Lord, remind us we don't do this for our own glory, for the praise of men or women, but may we hear those words from your own lips one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.